I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Welcome to episode 5 of All In Sports with Jake Seeley. You know me, you're following me at All In Kid, I hope, uh, unless you came in from one of our terrific guests today. Yeah, that's right, I have two guests today. It is a packed Thursday show to get you ready for week two. Going to be talking some DFS with one of the brightest minds in the business, Derek Carty of ESPN and Roto Grinders and his The Blitz system after he had the bat system, which personally won me some money during the baseball season. So we're going to be talking to him. We're going to talk about Elliot Chris, too, of the Quant Edge, another terrific mind. This is just geniuses. I'm going to look like an idiot today on today's show. Actually, I look like an idiot on most shows, and you guys already know that. But as a reminder, if you guys want a chance to win the signed Le'Veon Bell jersey, that kind of means very little right now, but hey, it's a signed Le'Veon Bell jersey. Dumbly, hey, there's proof that I'm an idiot. Stupid on me for buying this to give away before this all happened. I should have known that uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to cause a problem this year. But in any case, if you want to do so, a lot of you have already. So the entries are piling up. But go out there, iTunes, five-star reviews, subscribe, take a screenshot, send it to me. You don't have to do what some people did and unsubscribe and resubscribe and unsubscribe and resubscribe like 20 times. I don't know if that's a thing. Like I said, I only found out people were trying to scam the business a week ago go by seeing people tweet about it. You don't have to do that. All I need is the subscribe and the five stars and you'll be entered into the contest. Hopefully you guys will win. And I'm even thinking there's so many entries. I have two leftover t-shirts of so check this link. I'm going to give those away too, but obviously the grand prize is the Le'Veon Bell jersey, but I've talked enough. So we should probably talk fantasy football and get involved into today's show. What do you think? And now it's time for probably one of the more excited people I've had to have on this show. I, at least I'm excited. I don't know if he is. I say I'm excited to have him because I remember seeing him on Baseball Tonight because it is Derek Carty of ESPN, of Roto Grinders. He is the creator behind The Bat. He's the creator behind The Blitz is what we're going to be talking about today. If you want to be smarter in sports, you listen to this guy. And I'm telling you why, because I used him through the baseball season and it won me a little bit of money. And that's why I want to talk to him about the Blitz and talk to him about football. Welcome to the show, Derek Cardi. That is quite the intro. Thank you very much. I am uh, just as excited as you are to, uh, to be here. So thanks for having me. Oh, awesome. So let's Let's give the basics for people who haven't been to Roto Grinders, who haven't seen your work before with the bat system, and which, uh, by the way, you can even see on Fangraphs now, too, if you go to their pages. The player's page includes the bat projections, uh, the blitz, the, the entire thought process behind it, just kind of like the overarching for anybody that doesn't know what this is, besides just your typical quote unquote projection system. Yeah, so. I was always a baseball guy, and then I kind of saw that there was a little bit of an opening in football where a lot of the, the information, the system stuff that are out there, they don't take quite as analytical of an approach as we tend to take in baseball. And so coming from like this heavy sabermetric background in baseball, I'm like, I can totally apply this to football, create a system that accounts for variance and regression to the mean and uses the right amount of uh, years at the right amount of weights and aging curves and context adjustments and all kinds of stuff like that, that it didn't really seem like was really out there for football. And so I, I made it last year and the first year for the Blitz was really phenomenal. It accounts for so many, so many cool kind of things that I think really just kind of sets it apart a little bit. Yeah. And I think that I've, I've watched that and learned that through baseball. I was excited to see it for football. So like when you're looking at the projection system, of course, you know, there's you got to walk that line as I ask you these questions before between giving too much away between like giving people the insight. But I think like one of the more interesting questions I think people will have is looking at a projection system like yours, like anybody else's out there and trying to understand what it takes to going into this is let's take 
a situation like this week where it's just talk and, you know, there's not a lot to go behind it because we have, I'll give you an example. I'm going down to the 49ers with Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis. So we have somebody who hasn't played very much at all with Dante Pettis. So there's no history behind him. We have a history that's up and down and all over the place with Marquise Goodwin injuries. And where there's talk today, this morning, as we get up saying that Marquise Goodwin might not play. And if so, Dante Pettis is going to have a huge role. So is it 100% analytical for you, or do you ever sit there and look at it and you're like, I'm hearing this news, I have to adjust despite what my projections are saying because it can't account for somebody like Dante Pettis? Right. So, so that's part of the – I guess the beauty of football is that it's not 100% analytical. There always has to be a little bit of a manual component, especially when it comes to usage. Like Goodwin – if he's starting, we kind of know Goodwin's going to get roughly 20% of the targets. If he's not, though, then Pettis is going to come in and where up until this point, you know, Pettis is getting, I don't know, like nowhere near that. You know, last week his expectation was maybe like 5% going into the week or something like that. Now right. Goodwin's going to be out. Well, now we have to think that Pettis is going to be getting, you know, 15% of the targets, maybe up to 20% of the targets. And that's the kind of thing that an automated system isn't going to pick up on that you have to follow the news and you have to, you know, handicap that kind of thing accordingly. And, and I work with a, a professional, you know, Vegas prop better who's been really successful that helps me kind of handicap all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, I think it's been a really strong process so far. All right, and I'm glad you said – there's a couple things you said in there, and I'm glad you said because I was going to talk about the buzzwords. It's, you know, the, the market share, target share, usage, snap counts, and, you know, all these things. Game scripts, is, that's been become really big these past two years. And how much does that factor in and the fact, like, you know, again, I don't want you to give away – the, the, the cow, so to speak, but you know, like when it, when these buzzwords are out there and people are starting to learn more about it, understand, you know, okay, well, if you're facing the saints, the game script is going to potentially lead you to a passing situation, which should inflate these type, like all that type of stuff. Like, how do you go about working that in? And because we know that, like, I mean, look at last week game script would have pointed to the Buccaneers having to play catch up with the Saints, but we weren't expecting it to be the other way around like it did. So how do you involve when it goes to all those, you know, like I said, it's kind of these, these buzzwords that we're hearing the past two years. Yeah. So, so the blitz 100% accounts for, for game script. And I think the Buccaneers last week is a really good example because the blitz was really heavy on, on the Saints. And it was also really on Ryan Fitzpatrick because Ryan Fitzpatrick theoretically should have had the good game script. He was going to be playing from behind. He was going to be throwing a lot. And he was in a dome, which is something that I think is super important that people really don't account for enough. The lack of wind is really helpful for a quarterback. Um, and so it like Ryan Fitzpatrick for that reason. And then it also liked the Saints because basically the Saints were going to be playing from ahead. They were going to, you know, score a bunch of points to begin with. But if they – weren't scoring a bunch of points to begin with, then the game script was still going to be favorable for them because, you know, they were going to keep passing. And that's basically what happened. So, like, there were a lot of different ways that it could have worked out for the Saints. And Fitzpatrick, too, like, it was going to work out for him, I thought, because he was either going to be throwing from behind or he was, you know, <laughs> the most likely scenario wasn't for him to go ahead. But when it did happen, then he had his points anyway. So, like, it does account for game script. It accounts for, for wind and stuff like that. And I think – I think game script is actually really, really important. All right. So looking deeper into the, your blitz projections, everything like that, there's you even go as deep as to talk about short targets, completion yards, deep targets, completion yards, and all. that's a really good stat if you're looking for, obviously, the boomer bust. So when we talk about that, when you're building like your lineups off the blitz projections, and because you know one of the things I get asked in seasonal is like, well, should I start blank or blank? And I say a lot of it depends on, What's the rest of your lineup? Do you need somebody that can potentially score you 15 and could get you two in the same week? Or do you need somebody that's just got that floor of like a nice eight to nine points? But obviously when we're talking about this, we're talking for DFS lineups. And now you're talking about doing the same thing, whether you're playing cash or tournaments. Those are kind of what you're looking at there. So when you're building your lineup, how heavily do you get into the short and deep, especially when looking at wide receivers and the quarterbacks with them? So I'm mostly a cash game player. And so for me, it's a lot more about value than about ranges of outcomes. You know, I, I like the guy who is a good point per dollar play, whether he's, you know, you know, a deep threat or a guy who's just going to pick up a bunch of short completions. If he's a strong value, he's a guy that I'm interested in. 
But I think for GPPs, which is what a lot of people are playing, that range of outcomes is important. And so, you know, a guy who is, you know, a really big deep threat as opposed to a, you know, a Jarvis Landry guy who's just going to eat up a bunch of completions underneath, that's going to make a difference in whether, you know, whether you're deciding to play this guy, depending on the rest of your lineup construction, like you were saying. All right, so here's one for you. And I, I don't know, like, so I don't want to put you on the spot. Like, if you don't have the answer, it's okay, because I don't know that anybody, I've been looking for years, because it's now four years in a row running, and nobody's been coming, nobody's come up with the definitive answer. There's a lot of speculation. And I even, I interviewed Mike Tomlin, and I didn't expect to get the answer from him, because who's good? Like, what coach is going to go out there and say, this is why Ben Roethlisberger's not as good on the road? Like, so I tried to get somewhat of an answer, and he kind of leaned into a little bit of, you know, it's tougher on the road. Maybe we play a little bit slower, maybe a little bit more from under center. So, and I think those are kind of the the narratives that you hear out there for why Ben Roethlisberger struggles on the road, but for him specifically, cause he's at home this week and obviously the projections are high enough. I, the projections are high on for me, but the home road split, not just with Ben Roethlisberger in general, we can talk about it as other players as well, but for Ben Roethlisberger specifically, have you found anything in all of your analytics? Because I know you're super analytical and I just, is it, is it what we think? Is it the more under center? Is it less plays? I mean, do we have an answer for why he's not Ben Roethlisberger on the road? So my answer is not going to be a popular one because people love these kind of narratives. They love this, this quote unquote data that actually is just super, super noisy. Like I don't believe that Ben Roethlisberger is this like great quarterback at home and this terrible quarterback on the road. (laughs) I think that somebody just based on the laws of probability and statistics and how a normal distribution works, somebody has to be on the far end of that normal distribution and it just has happened to be Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, maybe there's something to running more plays or something like that it is something I want to look at now that that quote has kind of come out a little bit. But really, like, unless there's a legitimate reason that someone is better at home, the actual numbers are just super noisy and not something that I pay attention to. Like, I would expect a dome quarterback to be a little bit better at home, not to the extent that Roethlisberger splits have been. But like Roethlisberger in particular, I don't see a lot of reason for him to be better in Pittsburgh. Right. And I think that's, you know, like I said, it's kind of the noise. We have this, we have the sample in there, but I, you know what I'm going to liken it to? It's kind of the way I, so I used to write for the Saints website a couple of years ago and it was the Drew Brees home and road. And then it turned into Drew Brees dome and outside. And what I always say is, you know what? It's if you look at it, he's still uh, like better than 25 quarterbacks on the road. He's just, in another world at home. But if you look at it, like, it, it, like you said, it's a lot of noise. It's not really that big of a disparity. Yeah. I mean, home, home field advantage is a real thing. Like I think right. all quarterbacks are helped at home a little bit, just not to the extent that Roethlisberger has been. So is, well, this is going to kind of be a, like you, you personally type of question. I, one of the things when you look at the bat, you can get like the umpires and the catchers because you got, we know this in baseball, you have catchers who know how to command the strike zone better, potentially better defensively umpires who work the strike zone better differently. Like, you know, you might get somebody who calls wide someone who's tall, all those type of things. Is there anything in football that you've been looking into that we might be able to get that little extra edge? Like, I don't, I don't know if you could ever get down to the referee level at football, but Anything like that that you're looking into or trying to gain that little specific bit more to get that upper hand? Yeah, referees are something I'd like to look into at some point. I haven't yet, um, and so I really have no idea. But I mentioned it kind of a little bit earlier. We talked about it actually a little bit throughout. But, like, wind is such an important factor and such an overlooked factor. And I think it's becoming less so. Like, there was a lot of attention paid last week in the Steelers game, for example. You know, it was going to be really rainy and it was going to be really windy. And so, like, Antonio Brown maybe isn't as good of a play as maybe he otherwise would be. But a guy like James Conner as the running back maybe is a stronger play. And I think, I think wind and rain and just weather factors in general are, are overlooked. You know, high wind is going to hurt quarterbacks. And no wind, like in a dome, is going to really help them. And, Have you found think, it? Yeah, go ahead. Is it the threshold of 20 miles an hour? Is it like that's kind of with the common one out there? Or have you found like maybe there's a second level? And what have you found with that? So it's not necessarily like a magic number. It's more of like a continuum. Like 10 mile an hour wind is going to be more damaging to a quarterback than seven mile an hour wind. Like it's just, it's, it's kind of a, a continuum. I think once you kind of get above like, above like 15 is where I think the impact kind of becomes 
I guess like a greater extent than, than the public is generally valuing. But again, it's not really like one number and above this is great and below it is terrible. Okay. All right. Let's talk about week two just a little bit before I get you out of here. So Ben Roethlisberger, let's go back to him. Is he somebody that you're starting with because it is home and it is 6,900. It is a good matchup against that miserable Chiefs defense or where are you kind of looking to start your cash lineup? Actually, you know what? This could be a two-part question. You can answer that part second because the first part of the question might be, do you start with a specific position and work your way backwards when building your cash lineup? Not necessarily. I kind of start with the best values and go from there. So it could wind up being, you know, a high-priced quarterback that I think is just in a phenomenal spot. It could be a punt quarterback or it could be another position entirely. So I like Roethlisberger. I think he's a top two quarterback on this slate. I might like Drew Brees a little bit better because of that dome situation and because the Saints are really, really good. But I do like Roethlisberger, but I think this is more of like a punt QB kind of week because there's a lot of guys at other positions that I want to pay up for. Antonio Brown being one of them, you know, Roethlisberger throwing to him helps their team total being high helps his ridiculously high target share helps, the, you know, below average opposing defense helps. So I really want to pay for Antonio Brown. If I can pay for Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas, I'd like to do that. I think Alvin Kamara is a guy that's going to be popular again and people are going to want to play. So if I can find a way to get him in there, I want to do it. And so I think quarterback's going to be a position where, I'm just going to go with somebody cheaper because there's a lot of guys that I want at other spots. But, you know, talking about that game specifically, again, uh, one more uh, to go back to it. It's very similar to the Dante Pettis question is the James Conner situation from last week. And then he goes bananas. And now you head into week two of your projections. Is it, does it just like wildly skew everything that you built for that type of player? Or is it just kind of like I said, when you talked about it is you got to take your football knowledge and apply it to it. I mean, like, I, I like how do you quantify what he did in week one to be able to apply it to week two? So, I mean, you're never going to trust what a guy did, you know, in one week. Like James Conner, you know, he's played some snaps before. He, we have data on him. Um, the Blitz also uses, uh, especially for younger players, some of the stuff they did in like the NFL scouting combine and, and different kind of stuff like that to try and inform, you know, who a player actually is. And so the Blitz okay. really liked James Conner last week. It really likes him again this week. And a big part of it, especially for running backs, like people talk about, oh, this guy's a really good running back or this guy's a really bad running back. But when you look at running back stats, they're so noisy. Like yards per carry takes a long time to stabilize. So really like the right. difference between the best running backs and the worst running backs in terms of just pure efficiency really isn't all that extreme. And so volume is a huge part of – volume and matchup is a huge part of, of what makes up a good running back in the NFL and in, in fantasy really. So like James Conner got a huge amount of volume last week. They're going to be playing with a good game script this week. They're going to be playing from ahead. So he's going to get a lot of volume this week. And so I think James Conner is pretty much just a must play again. Uh, on that note, real quick, uh, do you use anything besides that? So I, I'm really happy that you said that about yards after or yeah, yards per carries, because if you look at it, you know, I'd say it all the time. Well, if you're running behind the Bengals offensive line for 16 games or you're running behind the Cowboys offensive line, well, maybe not this year's Cowboys, but people understand my point is you run between behind those lines. Of course, the one behind the Bengals is going to average. You take the same player and he's going to average much less yeah. if you're getting hit. <laughs> a yard behind the line of scrimmage versus getting hit a yard after the line. Well, there's an extra two yards every single play. So is there something out there you found? Because I saw, you know, NFL has got their, you know, uh, what do they call next gen stats where it's now the yards within one yard of content or something like that. Is, is there anything where you found like is a good tell for the, like to try and pull everything out and say, you know, this is really how elusive the running back is. Really trying to nail how elusive the running back is, especially without like access to those really advanced next-gen stats that, that the NFL has, which I would love to get a hold of. Um, <laughs> but, but, but without like a full data set of that, it's really tough to like say with any kind of certainty, like this is how elusive this running back is. There's stuff we can use. Um, and you mentioned offensive lines. Like the Blitz definitely uses offensive lines. It, it accounts for that. And one of the cool things it does is in looking at a past – the past stats for a player, it looks at a lot of the different kind of situations and stuff that he was in and kind of adjusts for those things to 
to be able to really get an idea of how good this player is, especially if he's going into a different situation in a given year. So like it'll look at, you know, what kind of game scripts he was playing with, the down, the distance, the field position, you know, whether the team was running from, you know, a shotgun formation or, or under center formation, you know, the defenses he faced and the, the weather conditions he was in and all that kind of stuff. And it says, okay, he was in all these, all these conditions and all these game situations. And there were some really tough situations and he did this in them. If he was in like a normal situation, he'd be this much better. And so it kind of looks at all those kind of things to, to really almost neutralize a player's talent, you know, independent of matchup and situation, which I think can be really effective for a future projection because then you can look at the situation he's going to be in this week and, you know, readjust based on that. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. All right, so last one before we get you out of here. If you're telling people who do want to play tournaments and, you know, trying to use your projection system or anything like that, are you a proponent? Are you one of the ones that wants to always pair your quarterback with the wide receiver? Or you like to use that, that cliche fun word, I could use my quarterback naked, you know, all that type of stuff. <laughs> I think if you're in a tournament and you're trying to win, I think stacking is definitely a really strong choice. Like last week, the Blitz really loved Ryan Fitzpatrick, like I said. But if you were playing Ryan Fitzpatrick, you could have played him naked because he was just a great value by himself. But I think it would have also been smart to pair him with Mike Evans, you know, and or Deshaun Jackson, because if, you know, if that Fitzpatrick is going to go off, there's a good chance one of those guys is also. And then now you have two guys who are scoring high in your lineup as opposed to just one. Yeah, uh, I think so. I just think it's nice to, nice to see that c- confirmed with the system. So, again, what this is if you want to learn more about fantasy sports and the projections and the just basically the genius behind it, follow Derek Cardi at Derek Cardi. He's got a nice little picture of Cardi's corner from baseball, baseball tonight and everything like that. I love that. Uh, tell everybody else you here, this is your opportunity, Derek. Tell everybody, go pimp yourself here. Tell them where to get the again at Roto Grinders, but how to get your system and all that type of stuff. Yeah, so if you go to Roto Grinders, you click on the Marketplace link. It will be, I think, the top thing right in the Marketplace. It's called the Blitz. It's my projection system. There's uh, a lot of information about everything that goes into it. And, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. Like, last year was the first year for it, and it did great. It did great in week one. And I'm just so excited for, for the rest of the season because I put a lot of time into it, and I think there's a lot of cool things that, that other people and other systems aren't considering. And so – I'd love for you guys to give it a shot. If you have any questions, let me know. Yeah, and he's probably got the best hair in the business too, right, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to dispute that, but I'm really <laughs> want to say. <laughs> so seriously, go check it out. If you used it week one, trust me, you won some money. I can tell you firsthand on that. So Derek Cardi, give him a follow. Check it out, Roto Grinders, ESPN, the Blitz, and the Bat. Hey, if you learned anything from this too, and you want us to play some baseball next year, now you know what to invest in as well. So I appreciate you coming on, Derek. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And now for part two of today's show and another, as I said, terrific, genius, mind, wonderful fantasy football person of the industry, whatever you want to call him, Elliot Chris, the founder of the Quant Edge, which, by the way, if you haven't checked this out, you should definitely go. I've tweeted it out. I'm going to tweet it out again today if you haven't already checked it out already, or you could just follow Elliot Chris on Twitter at Elliot Chris. But we're going to talk fantasy football with him, of course. And I'm excited because the last time I talked to him, I think, well, I've talked to him a lot of times, but I think the last time I've talked to you on a show was when we did like the draft preview, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a long time ago. We've talked a lot. Too long ago. Does, it, does the Flex League count? Because that was I've, kind of on SiriusXM. I don't know if that counts or not. It, it, it kind of does. Like, yeah, because it was kind of on SiriusXM. Were you one of the people that got interviewed? I don't even remember. I was not. I was one of the person who drafted the best team, but I did not get an interview. <laughs> Is it, did you win in week one? I don't even know. Did you? I, I, I believe I did win in week one, yeah. Did I? Was I facing you in week one? I don't remember. Are you? What, I don't see. Look, this is the problem when you're the commissioner and then people don't show up and you were planning to only play in two, but now you're in all three. Uh, I don't remember. Which one are you in? I'm in I was in the afternoon one. I know I started with Gurley and Gronk. So and you're I, in, wait, wait, are you in the, so you're in the super flex? Yes. Okay, hold on. All right, let's see. Uh, yeah, you, you scored 30 less points than I did. But did I win? Yeah, you won. Well, that's all that matters. We're, we're... Oh, that's why we face each other this week. 
Ah, that's it. Okay, well, you got lucky last week that you didn't uh, – or I got lucky that I didn't have to face you, but my team's ready to rebound. No, hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's look at this right now. We're going to break this down for everybody listening. Here we go. You know, this is a little sneak preview. Not that everybody cares about other people's teams, but I don't give a damn because it's my show. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes versus Drew Brees and Sam Darnold. I got you on that one. I hate to tell you I got you on that one. I would agree with that. Okay. Running backs. Oh, you're only starting two. I'm starting three. Barkley, Connor, and McCaffrey versus Gurley and Henry. I got you there too. Um, even if I even if I didn't have the Gurley, third, <laughs> uh, I got the top guy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry as your second is kind of hurting a little bit. Here's where it becomes interesting. So they got hey, you got me a wide receiver because I got Manny, Gordon, and Benjamin. By the way, this is a half point PPR. You've got Cooks, good. Well, you might not have Goodwin, but T. Y. Hilton and Nelson Aguilar. What are you going to do if no Marquise Goodwin? I'm just going to switch to Godwin. I actually just did that as we speak. Goodwin just, to Godwin? Yeah, just drop an O and then we're all good. Did you draft both of them on purpose? I did because I wanted uh, – I, I don't have anything clever to say to that, but yeah. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? I just snaked Pettis from you this morning. Did you? Yep. I got Eckler too hanging out on my bench. Maybe I should throw him in there. Ooh, Henry... yeah. What do we have Eckler on your bench for? Who would you start Eckler? No, 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 no. I'm not helping. No, screw that. I'm not helping you. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, Elliot. Why don't you have a team that I like? <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell you after week two of who I would have started Eckler over. <laughs> Potentially Henry. Especially Potentially. if Marriott is out. Like it's, it'll. I'll see. We'll see. Or, or good, or, or good one, or Godwin. <laughs> if Jackson's out, I'm starting God. Good one. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, I'm Godwin. See, I just I screwed you up. I got you. Wait, <laughs> uh, you know what? Why don't we talk about that real quick? Because I was a really big. So this is now three years in a row, and you know, a lot of people are going to say it's. But you can go back and you can see where I've talked about them every single year. And my basically follow up has always been another year of disrespecting the Penn State wide receivers because. Next year at this time, we're going to be talking about Deshaun Hamilton. I'm letting everybody know that. It's Allen Robinson. It's Chris Godwin. It's Deshaun Hamilton. Like, tell people why you like Chris Godwin because I was very high on him last year, and I'm super excited to see what he can do. Like, I don't ever wish for an injury, but I have to say, like, I wanted to preface that because I'm excited to see him this week, assuming Deshaun Jackson sits. I don't want it to sound like I'm like, yeah, Deshaun Jackson concussed. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing about Godwin is that every time he's been given an opportunity, he's done nothing but crushed, right? And right. I mean, he's he's a a fantastic athlete. He wins jump ball situations. He knows how to get open. He knows how to gain separ- separation with both, uh, you know, distance from the corner as well as body positioning. You can throw it up and he'll go get it and he can make plays after the catch. There's not really much to be desired uh, when you look at his game. Like, it's 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 all there. And he's continuing to develop. They talk about all offseason how he was, like, the best receiver on the team, and that's including Mike Evans. I mean, they they love him and getting him opportunity. I think he's just such a high-ceiling player. And if he, if he gets consistent snaps, he's a, he's a, a high-floor guy as well. So I think uh, Godwin's a guy that, if Jackson misses any significant time, could end up being a league winner in 2018. I'm with you on that one. All right, so let's talk about another God, like Kenny God today instead of Galladay. Like, where are you on him? Because now, I don't know if you remember, but uh, again, I forget how many people I talk to about how many different things at this point. But I said this year we could find three Lions wide receivers inside the top 40. Now, when I said that, I was expecting Galladay to still be the third behind Jones and Golden Tate, and I thought that he could be their biggest red zone presence that they didn't. The reason they brought in Luke Wilson and Levine Tololo, and they're okay with Michael Roberts because I kind of felt like Galladay was going to assume a lot of that Eric Ebron role, and they were going to kind of be one of those offenses. Like in years past, the Giants, they, like they, you know, they didn't really care about the tight end. They kind of used the third wide receiver more as the tight end slash wide receiver. So after week one, everybody's going bananas over Galladay. I mean, they're talking like, oh, should I start him over Marvin Jones? Where are you? Is it overreaction week one? Are you the excitement of Kenny Galladay? Like, where are you with Galladay? So. I think that it's a bit of both. So I do like Kenny Galladay, and I agree with you that it's three wide receivers. This team does not care about tight ends. They rotate them. Um, Luke Wilson is not good. Uh, Toy Lolo <laughs> is terrible. Michael Roberts, I don't he's know a, what. He's a blocking in the first two. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, listen. That's kind of like the biggest slap in the face for what we care about in fantasy is, hey, you're a blocking tight end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, with, with, 
with Marvin Jones, the concern that I have with him is that when Connie Galladay was on the field, his target uh, share dropped from like 22% to 13%, which is a major drop-off. So I think that Galladay eats into Jones. I think that Tate's still going to be the focal point of the offense just because of, you know, his underneath route running abilities, run after catchability. I think he's still going to lead the team in targets. Marvin Jones is still going to get the deep shots down the field, absolutely. Uh, he had a tough matchup. I mean, Tremaine Johnson was in and out of the lineup, but that Tremaine Johnson's one of the better kind of press man physical corners, which is how you really want to match up against Marvin Jones. Kenny Galladay did some of his work too when they were getting blown out, but he was also the receiver that had the the best matchup. You know, Claiborne is a guy that has struggled a lot. So I like Galladay. I'm not ready to anoint him as you know the next Calvin Johnson. Uh, what what is mini, it? JJ Zacharyson calls him yeah, or Baby Tron is it Baby, baby Tron? Tron. And okay. I, I love JJ, but you know, I, I just I can't get on that board. I still think he's going to be third on the team in targets. I think he's going to have some spike weeks, but I, I'm not I'm not losing my mind over him. At the same time, if I drafted him, I am happy with it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like something like that with with JJ is how you get the hype, kind of incidentally started like you know it's like you, know, you hear the baby tron and then people are like oh baby tron well he must be as good as megatron like and it's, it's the cell phone game or it's the, i said the cell phone it's, it's called the phone game i just added cell to it for some reason but you know it's how you remember back in school like somebody says something to somebody else and by the time it gets to the last person it's not anything like the first person said so people started joking about probably baby tron and by the time the like fifth person heard it they're like oh this guy's as good as megatron <laughs> That's probably exactly what happened. But, I mean, listen, you're going to have different weeks with different Lions receivers, and, you know, I think it's one of those situations where you're going to want to play matchups with these guys. So is he, what do you say, is he more Starscream? Is that what we're going for? Or Shockwave? Shockwave is pretty in- intimidating. What do you think? Or am I, am I listing things you do? Do you know not of Transformers? Because you don't sound like I, you're tra- – No, I was just trying to think about it. Oh, okay. Um, I was about to get really mad because you weren't jumping in. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was – Star, I just don't like Starscream. Like, Bumblebee is my guy. I just like, right. as lame as that is. So, I, I, I'll give him Bumblebee. I mean, he's not. No, because now you made him good. He's got to be, he's, yeah, he's got to be like, he's got to be on the Septicon side. I think, no, nah, Soundwave. I think, well, I'm going Soundwave. I'm going to call okay. him Soundwave. I'm, I'm, I'm good with Soundwave. Mostly because he was kind of like the coolest Decepticon, not Megatron, because he had that little tape deck that popped out and turned into a bird. And then if I don't know if you had the same one I did, but then one of the wings never really stayed up and it just always flapped down and never closed properly because, you know, die cast metal at the time wasn't exactly the best made things. People are just like, whatever, whatever, Jake, let's move on. I'm sorry, I'm getting caught up into my Decepticon Transformer days. This is how old I am. Yeah, I just dated myself for everybody out there. All right, how about this? You know, moving on. Doug Baldwin, how about that? He's out. He's out for two to six weeks. Very large range of outcome. Probably at least around a month, it sounds like. Brandon Marshall's the thing again. And, you know... I don't know if you saw the same thing I did, but there were some reports. It's really weird. There was like a roller coaster with Brandon Marshall. It was, hey, we're going to sign Brandon Marshall because let's sign Brandon Marshall. And then it's like, yeah, you know what? Brandon Marshall looks like he has a little something left. That was OTAs. Then we get to the practices and people are like, Brandon Marshall might not make the team. And then we get to like the third week of preseason and some people are out there going, hey, Brandon Marshall looks as good as he did two years ago before he started having all these injuries. And now we get week two and Brandon Marshall looks pretty good in week one. And now he could be the number one because he's more of a number one than Tyler Lockett is. Where are you on Brandon Marshall? Like, is Brandon Marshall even sniffing your lineups if you pick them up? I don't think he's sniffing my lineups right now. I, I think that Lockett had the toughest matchup once Baldwin out, went out last week because they kicked him inside to the slot and he ran a lot of routes against Chris Harris, who's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. And that Brandon, Mar- Brandon Marshall is a guy that I think will have a good few weeks to start the season and kind of as those veterans tend to do, wear down as the season goes on. Um, I, th- I th- The thing that I like about Brandon Marshall is I think he's got a lot of uh, touchdown equity potential. You know, that Jimmy Graham role is gone, uh, and they're, they're going to need a go-to guy in the red zone, and it, it very easily could be Marshall with a 6-4 size. I know historically he hasn't been very efficient in the red zone, but historically he also gets a lot of work in the end zone. Um, and there's that team is just decimated. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, you're talking about Will Disley, right? And Brandon Marshall as... Well, 
let's let's talk market. about that. You're not buying into Will Disley, right? I mean, we because no. and the no. reason I say that is because you look at the snaps still less than Nick Vanette. He was he made this team as the rookie because he was supposed to be so good as a pass blocker. Like the week, what I joked about it, but it may take three or four more weeks for him to total what he did in week one. It reminds me of Austin Hooper last year. Now Hooper's a much better player. Oh, that was the exact comparison I made. Oh, yeah, I he love broke you. the one eighty-yard run, right? <laughs> and then everyone's like, "Well, Hooper broke out. It's here we are." And I'm like, "He had one massive play, and it 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 messed with the stat line, right?" But the other thing to keep in mind is that Denver is a funnel defense to the tight end. He is a tight. He's the tight end too on his own team, where the tight end one's not good. Like I don't, I don't want any parts of that. You're gonna get so many zeros with him. <laughs> I just think that's an easy. That's an easy fade. Can I ask you something really quick? Because you just mentioned it. You mentioned that the Broncos funneled to the tight end. Jared Cook. Oh, boy. We're going to talk about Jared Cook, aren't we? Oh, I just – look, I I have – so for everybody out there that hasn't seen it yet, hopefully you check it out. It's my APA adjusted points allowed defensively. And the Denver's at the top for tight ends. And I hate – if anybody knows me at this point, so there's, a, there's a lot of things I hate, admittedly. But this is, I'm kind of a cantankerous type of person. I hate kickers. I hate PPR. I hate a lot of things. I hate people who ask me the same question three times in a row just to get the same answer. I hate people who ask me questions, as they saw yesterday on Twitter, ask me and then battle back. And I'm open for discussion, but don't keep trying to argue back with me, Time, Like, you obviously have your opinion. Then why'd you ask? Just go with your opinion. But among those things that I hate is Jared Cook. I hated Jared Cook years and years ago when they were both with the Rams and Tavon Austin. And even it's just the point has always been is he shows up one week, disappears for four, shows up for another week, disappears for four. Like, that's what Jared Cook does. But he's facing the Broncos, so we can start him this week, can't we? I, I hate to say – like, you don't understand. My, t- my teeth are clenched while I'm asking this, Elliot. I think, you, I think you do have to start him, especially if, if Derek Carr has decided that throwing beyond five yards is out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, when did he turn into Joe Flacco? I – that's what he looked – but, you know, at the same time, like the – listen, John Johnson of the Rams is a good defender, but Jared Cook got the best of him. At the same time, the Rams were funneling everything underneath, right? They were basically like, you can't beat us on the outside, you can't beat us deep, we're going to make you dink and dunk all the way down the field. And it worked a little bit in the first half, and the second half it did not. They kind of closed and made the tackles. But that's going to be the best game of Jared Cook's life, right? Like he, he was legitimately <laughs> amazing in that game. He wasn't just open. He was running through people. He was making play after play. I struggle to see that happening again, but I think if you have him uh, and you're struggling at tight end, you start him this week. I think in DFS, for example, he's going to be super highly owned after coming off that primetime game, performing like that against the Broncos. I don't think he's a guy you can fade in DFS. Uh, please do. Like, I just that, That's such the easy calls to fade him in tournaments. And just So let's talk about this team in general because we're joking about Derek Carr, but – this is a ripple effect here. Forget Jared Cook for a second. And I don't think there's a lot of people out there that have Derek Carr as their quarterback, but it, it's more about what he does for everybody else because Amari Cooper, this is another one. You know, year after year, I tell people, stop trying to – like. there's always the excuse. We go through it. It's the end of the year, and it's like, oh, my God, Amari, Amari Cooper disappointed me. I'm never going back to him again. And then August rolls around, and everybody's made so many excuses that people start buying Amari Cooper as a fringe wide receiver one again. You know, last year it was health and situations like that, and then you open things up and there's less options around him, and then this year it was, well, you have Gruden. There's always an excuse for Amari Cooper. Week one, is there an excuse for Amari Cooper to have – and I know the the answer is Derek Carr, but is there an excuse where we have hope for Amari Cooper going forward? That's about as tough of a (laughs) quarterback matchup as you can have. I don't even need this week. I mean, just this season. Can Amari Cooper owners have any hope? He'll have a couple spike weeks. But, but see, that, that's the problem. Is it ever anything more than that? As, as long as Derek Carr's a quarterback, I have trouble believing there is going to be more than that. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he looked like – I'm trying to think of the word that comes after, like, horrible. He was shook. Benny Hill? Yeah, he was like – he was legitimately one in one of those situations where if you even – got anything that resembled pressure he just panicked and chucked it he was looking for check downs immediately he wasn't willing to take shots I mean I think Carr is Cooper's biggest detriment and that's not getting better this year but the the, the matchups will get better because you know Peters Nicole, uh, Roby Coleman and Akeem Tlaib that's probably the best trio corners in the NFL but 
They I mean, got the Broncos this week. They got the Dolphins the week after, which people don't realize the Dolphins secondary is actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have – so you're going to have Chris Harris if he kicks in the slot, which is where people want Cooper, or on the outside he's going to have uh, Bradley Roby, who's really good, or Xavier Howard. Like, he's going to have – is a tough start to the season. Well, and that's uh, the thing, too, is if you look at it and you go to the Dolphins, what do you, you want to kick him inside? Well, if you kick him inside, you're probably getting Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. This is – I mean, it's – it's tough to have hope, but at the same at the same time, you know he might be a good buy low candidate after week three, when yeah, you pay like a wide receiver three price tag for him. Yeah, because you get the Browns. That's well, that's the week you get the Browns, but then after that you get the Chargers. But then you come back and you get the Seahawks and Colts at home. Yeah, see, that's that's the buy window right there. If you want to sell them right now and people will still pay pay wide receiver prices one prices right now, I would do that. Okay, so there you go. We just gave you an advanced buy low type of player. Or what are you doing with the Leonard Fournette situation? And I know, obviously, if he's out, TJ Yeldon, RB2. But, you know, I told somebody on Twitter today, or not today, yesterday. My days are already mixing together. I don't even know if it's Thursday. In any case, they're saying Leonard Fournette for Dalvin Cook. Would you do it? And I said, I want Dalvin Cook at this point. Because at least I saw Dalvin Cook looks 100% from his ACL situation. Leonard Fournette. Go back to college. This guy has been banged up, banged up, banged up, banged up, banged up, and it doesn't ever seem to be stopping. Now, if we both got – we got 16 games out of both of them, I actually think Leonard Fournette would finish higher, but I don't know that he's getting 16 games. Heck, he might already not this week. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the concern with Fournette, right? I mean, the hamstring thing is kind of a freak thing. The, the ankle injury was the major concern, right? Historically, he's got bad ankles, and it really impacts his production. Um, hamstrings are tricky with running backs. It's a situation where if I'm a Fournette owner, I probably want him to sit out this week because those are the kind of things that linger if you don't kind of just let it fully heal. Um, I would trade Fournette for Cook too because I would always take – I would take the – if it's close and one guy's healthy and one guy's not, I'm going to take the healthy player. Yeah, I would too. So, well, you know who else is now all of a sudden not healthy is David Johnson. How concerned are you? And I don't want to talk – the back injury, obviously if he starts getting that kind of nagging injury, that's a concern. I just want to talk – the offense, how concerned are you for Dick? Because David Johnson was a top four pick everywhere you look, and he became a guaranteed top three once this Le'Veon Bell situation crept up during that last week where Le'Veon Bell kind of slid to fourth or even later for a lot of people. So we're talking David Johnson was at the top of every draft there was because similar to Adrian Peterson with the terrible Vikings teams, or you can even go back to LaDainian Thomason when the Chargers struggled, or, and I'm not calling him Barry Sanders, but like Barry Sanders never had that great. Great running backs can overcome a hell of a lot, especially if you're giving them the volume. But week one didn't look very good for, you know this, we talked about it. We were both in on like a Bradford-Fitzgerald cheap combination over there, and that offense just looked awful. Is David Johnson potentially looking at a rough season because of how bad the Cardinals are? The way I look, I don't think so. Now, I, I do think the Cardinals are really bad. Let me, let me start by saying that. But I do think that, you know, David Johnson had, what, four targets inside the five-yard line? Yeah. I mean, he still saw seven targets. He still saw 22% of the team's targets, I believe. He, uh, Edmonds did get a little bit of run, but he only got one uh, series in the first half. He, he got more of his run in the fourth quarter when it was completely a blowout. So the snap percentages look a little bit off. He's st- like Johnson still got featured a lot and that's what I'm looking for the volume and, and like that was about as bad of a game script as you could have for him and he still scored what 16 points yeah that's that's kind of my, my argument like it was well, how bad was it really <laughs> like if that's if that's bad then we're, we're we're good Bradford looked terrible the other thing that happened is that what the time of possession was like 22 and a half to 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 like seven and a half in yeah. the first half like they, they didn't have the ball at all. So he had no opportunity to build up volume. So I actually don't hate this Rams matchup. They're not a great run-stuffing team. I know they have Donald and Sue, but Phillips doesn't really believe in stopping the run. He wants to force you to pass. And they want to force you to pass deep. And so it's going to funnel to all the underneath targets like we just saw with Cook and Richard. And I think Johnson could load up on targets this week. You know, I, I'm buying David Johnson. I've seen people say that if you were redrafting this week, would David Johnson go, would you take David Johnson in the second, first or second round? And second round got like 40% of the vote. And Are I, you serious? And I was like, that seems like a, an absurd overreaction to me. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is see, these are the kind of leagues I want to play. Like somebody showed me their lineup yesterday. Uh somebody here just in the area that I know. And he's like, Yeah, I drafted like the third week or second or third week in August. And he goes, you know, I started, you know, I took Melvin Gordon, then I got Barkley on the way back. And I said, You got what on the way back? Like, what league are you in that Barkley's in the second freaking round, dude? Like <laughs> I mean, and then these are the same people that uh, will yell at you on Twitter, like, oh, I was league champion last year. I could do what you do. And, <laughs> I got one of those. Seven years running, buddy. Yeah. And while, listen, I'm not trying to knock you for winning your championship, but at the same time, like, c- levels of competition are important. And, yeah. like, if you and I, when we do the flex league, Barkley's gone by pick five. He's not hanging around in the second round. No, Antonio Brown's not slotty. I saw one of those too. Antonio Brown made it to the beginning of this or the early. I think it was the second pick of the second round. And like, okay, that that doesn't happen. That's not supposed to happen. I was but, doing. I did my girlfriend's uh, work league draft for her. Oh, and, that's not fair. She's gonna run away with it. Yeah, she. Well, yeah, she scored a lot of points in week one. Um, you know what the thing that happens? Oh, go ahead. I don't mean to, you, you. You do your story. I got like Emmanuel you. Sanders in like the thirteenth round. <laughs> I was like, I'm going up. I'm doing like best ball, the the mega best ball on draft, and Sanders is going in the fifth or sixth round every single time, and here he is hanging out in like the thirteenth round of their their draft. You know, it's it's funny that you said that because so I did a my my sister's family and friends. So it's basically like her husband, my brother in law, the sister, like the uncle, cousin. Like it's it's a family league, and they needed one more spot. And I said, well, I told them, I'm not, this is going to sound so, so conceited, but I was like, you don't want me in the league. And, but I did anyway, because they couldn't find anybody. My roster was so freaking stacked. I had like RB ones on my bench. And the problem was, is I went 13 and one. And then, cause there's only two rounds for their playoffs. And I got bumped in the first round because I could, I had RB ones on my bench. So I was like, which RB ones do I start? And then I ended up, I think I faced the one I didn't have was I faced Todd Gurley last year and both my RB ones scored like seven points on like a down week. Cause it, so it ends up being like a detriment because you're trying to make these decisions of like, Hey, do I start Joe Mixon or Devonte Freeman? Well, and last year, it was just one of those situations where in the playoffs, if you had Todd Gurley, you won. And if you didn't, you lost. <laughs> Pretty much. Because he was scoring 50 points. Like, yeah. Like, ooh, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a – and I'm not trying to knock lower leagues. Cause God, I got in trouble this week on Twitter for saying, George Kittle's on your waiver wire. Like, what kind of league – like, what is that league? Uh, <laughs> he was under 50% owned on Yahoo. That that blows my mind, but I guess there are a lot of like eight and ten man leagues where people have one tight end. See, and that's what I try to tell everybody. Like, not you. I'm not coming at you for saying this, but like you know, I've been doing the the podcast and the radio and a lot of stuff for a long time, and I try to hammer home that it's not just you know twelve PPR half point PPR super flat. Like this, still most common league is ten team, and even this year, about half the leagues are still non PPR. Despite like it actually makes me happy because I hate PPR, but. We, you got to kind of like cater to everybody. And this truth is what you said. But you know what's funny, Elliot? You get the exact opposite too. Like I do my waiver column and somebody re- shoots back in those comments, oh, but two of those guys are owned in my league. Like, so you, you get both sides of it. I'm sorry that I'm not surveilling, you know, <laughs> leagues and writing customized pieces for everybody, right? I'm uh, uh, sorry to cater to your 18 team, you know, two quarterback, two wide receiver, 14 tight end league. Sorry. And that league, Will Disley is worth picking up. That that, that is true. That's the only way. <laughs> that's the only one. Let me ask you two more before we get out of here. The Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis situation. So it's funny. Um, I don't know if you know, but I know a lot of people out there do. Is I'm not a Derrick Henry fan for fantasy purposes. In uh, actually last year when he came out of college, said the guy is a freak. He's a beast, but. Similar to Brandon, and I'm not trying to say he's better than Brandon Jacobs, but I think you'll understand and everybody understands. If somebody that tall and upright and who he is, if you get to him before he gets to the line of scrimmage, you can trip him up pretty easily. You watch college. That's how you stopped Derek. Now, that's a lot to ask. I mean, obviously, you stop anybody before he gets to the line of scrimmage, but I'm just talking about the fact that he's very upright. And the other problem he has is instead of just going through the tackles, he likes to bounce it outside and act like he's Deion Lewis, and he's not Deion Lewis. All that being said is I'm setting that up to say I've actually found myself defending him after week one saying I would buy low on Derrick Henry because he had the workload at the beginning of the game. And then that game, we can, I wouldn't you Elliot pretty much just throw that game out. Like there's not really much we can learn from that because it was just bananas what happened. That game took like nine hours to finish too, which is hilarious. <laughs> but 
I'm with you on Henry, and I think your scouting report on him is is perfect. I mean, he's he's a big upright runner. He's a physical freak, and in the open field, he might be as terrifying as any running back there is in the NFL. And I know that's a bold statement, but like if he has a ten yard head start against a hen, uh, a safety, he's. Gonna- <laughs> I'm trying. I will. I will let him run past me and try to catch him from behind. Yeah, that would be my goal too. Because, but you <laughs> like last year the playoff game against the Chiefs, you saw that there are a ton of zero yard, one yard, two yard runs, and then it's like twenty five. Right. right? That, and so he had the seven carries for nineteen yards in the first half. He also had the sixty yard touchdown run called back because someone held Delaney Walker's face mask and got called and Delaney Walker got called for a face mask or holding or whatever it was. And that cost Henry a 60 yard touchdown run. But yeah, the, I mean, the Titans were trailing by two touchdowns in the second half playing catch up. Of course, Deion Lewis is going to play more. And, you know, I love looking at snap counts and understanding players and how often they were in the, on the field and everything. But, you know, I feel like the lack of context this week was, was everywhere. And we kept talking about, well, this is Deion Lewis's job. And, you know, Deion Lewis is going to be the pass-catching back. That's not news. And if the Titans are down two touchdowns, he's going to play more than Henry. But you need to kind of put context into everything, right? Not, I don't think any ch- anything changed with the Henry and Lewis situation based on where, what we all thought it was going to be. It's just that Lewis got more opportunity because they were down two touchdowns in the second half. Exactly, 100%. And I, does I feel like you're – well, I should feel like – I know you're going to because you're smart. The next situation as well is the Alex Collins one. So, Alex Collins, I have zero worries because Alex Collins is in that game. Yes, he got pulled out of the game because he fumbled. But what people – you talk about the snap counts, and sometimes, you know, you can't always look at it. Sometimes you have to go through the plays. And if you go through the plays, you will see Alex Collins came back into the game, and Alex Collins had goal line and red zone work. And then this game got out of hand and the Alex Collins comes out of the game, not because Alex Collins isn't the lead option, but it's because they pulled almost their entire first unit offense. Yeah. And they were up by like 40 points in the second half in, in the rain against Buffalo. They felt, they felt pretty good about their situation. And, you know, I know that Buck Allen vultured Alex Collins, but if you watch that play, Collins was the running back. Buck Allen was the fullback. And it was kind of like a misdirection play. You know, Collins only saw seven carries, but he was running with the first-team offense. He's going to be a hugely impactful player. Just unfortunately for him, it was Joe Flacco day. And there are not going to be many Joe Flacco days where he's going throwing three touchdown passes in the first half. But they just blew the Bills you sure? out, out of the water. And it just it killed his opportunity. What, what are you going to do if Joe Flacco finishes as a top-ten quarterback this year? If Joe Flacco is a top-ten quarterback, well, how many quarterbacks have to get injured for that to happen? <laughs> I don't know if he keeps playing like he did. Like the Lamar Jackson thing, who knew? All you need to do is threaten somebody's job and Joe Flacco plays lights out again. I mean, honestly, so far, Joe Flacco – look, I'm not, I'm not supporting Joe Flacco as your QB1 or to even start him in fantasy. All I'm saying is what we've seen from the preseason and game one so far looks like that postseason one run that made him his career. So that means he's got three games left to be good, and then it'll regress back. <laughs> That's all you're giving him? Yeah. <laughs> all right, last one before we get you out of here, because you know I had to bring it up. Because for everybody listening that doesn't know, Elliot is – you can feel bad for him, of course. He's a Jets fan. And although week one had to feel pretty damn good, didn't it, Elliot? Honestly, I didn't know how to react. Like, it was <laughs> fun, but I had – I've never had that experience before. I mean, this, this team has the most points in the NFL. Darren Lee is like the worst player in the NFL and has two picks and one's a pick six. I mean, I, Sam Darnold, the first play, throws a pick six, and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> and then this team just looked amazing. I, I don't necessarily think it's going to last, but my goal is not for this team to win a bunch of games. It's more for them to kind of show, show growth and be competitive and, you know, with the $100 million and the young quarterback, kind of sign a bunch of guys and, and build from there. But the one, one thing I will note is that you know, I know that some of the Lions receivers had big games, but the Jets secondary, I think, has improved and not necessarily a unit you're going to want to attack this year with Tremaine Johnson and Claiborne moving to cornerback two and Jamal Adams and everybody. Uh, I, I think the Jets are going to be in some games. Um, I, I think from a fantasy perspective, Anun was the one guy in the offense I want. I think people are really excited about Crowell because he broke the 62-yard run, but that was a, you could see that Powell was running ahead of him. And the Lions basically quit. They didn't even really chase him. <laughs> <laughs> yard run but everyone was pounding their chest saying how they were right about Crowell but he's still the RB2 in New York yeah of course all right so you broke that down so the other question before we get out of here is the Robbie Anderson versus Quincy Inunua situation obviously Jermaine Curse might come back this week but 
we know Anderson's big playability, but if you're going off one week, and granted it is only one week, but it is one week with Darnold at quarterback, you have a market share where Inua led the league. You have a market share where Robbie Anderson was 185th. So people are going to look at the box score and say, oh my God, they're both terrific and amazing. But to you, especially as the Jets fan, is this, I want a Nunwa, or do you want Robbie Anderson for the big playability? Because I'm also looking at this week's matchup and saying, you know what, I don't really necessarily want to start either one of them, but if I'm going to, I'm going to go with the guy with the market share. Yeah, I wouldn't start Anderson this week. Um, I don't like that matchup against Xavier Howard. And when Anderson did catch his touchdown, it was uh, one on a cover two safety, right? It wasn't on Darius Slay or anything. Darnold, they're, they're, they're kind of keeping it safe with Darnold. He wasn't taking a ton of shots downfield. There are a lot of play designs for Nunwa where he's playing like H-back or tight end or stuff like that where it's not necessarily going to be a slot corner on him. They got him really – found really creative ways to get the ball in his hands. And whenever the, a team starts manufacturing touches like that, that creates a floor. And for a wide receiver, you know, a target floor is fantastic. So I, I like a Nunwa this week and going forward. But I'll agree with you that a Nunwa um, matchup this week with Minka Fitzpatrick is less than ideal. It is less than ideal, but if you're only, if you're picking between the two, but I would try to avoid. I think a lot of people are going to put both of them in their lineups after happening week one. But before we get out of here, it's just some breaking news for you, Elliot, and for everybody listening, because we are recording this before noon on a Thursday. We do have Leonard Fournette's not going to practice today, so for everybody, check on that, and especially if TJ Yeldon happens to still, I don't know, you, like it might be in your league, he might be sitting out there. And then Hugh Jackson said Josh Gordon is going to get more targets in week two, so. That means he's going to get less, right? Because he wasn't starting in week one, and then he did, and he played 69 snaps. So we have to do, like, the opposite of what Hugh tells us, right? I do not trust Tyrod Taylor taking shots down the field to Josh Gordon. See, I think – and you know what? I, I, I said that was the last question was the Jets, but we'll close out on this one because we did bring it up. I, actually, I talked about this in the matchup column. I said, well, there's a lot of things I don't believe from week one, one being the Saints defense is that bad. The Saints defense, pass defense is that bad especially. I don't actually like Gordon this week. No, I think Marshawn Lattimore is a tough matchup for him. And Tyrod doesn't like to take targets downfield, and you can see that Landry is his guy. Yeah. I mean, Landry is his guy all preseason. Landry is his guy week one. I know the world wants Josh Gordon to be his guy, but Landry is his guy. Gordon is number two on the team in terms of wide receiver targets. Um, and he doesn't match with Tyrod Taylor's game at all. That doesn't mean he can't break a big play because he certainly has that ability. But – even if we jump, he's going to, what, double his targets and go to six? Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a significant jump, right? Well, he might catch a touchdown on one of them. That's a, yeah, no, listen, if, if, you, if you're not benching Josh Gordon for nobody, but if, if you're loaded at wide receiver, I think there, there are other options this week. Are you uh, buying the new iPhone? Or are you getting the iPhone XS Max Plus Supersized Edition or whatever it's called? <laughs> My girlfriend sent me that text yesterday. She said, you should get this as a birthday present to yourself. It's only $750. And I go, I don't love myself that much that I'm buying a $750 phone. Oh, no, no, no. This, so she, that's the wrong one. The $750 is the XR. Oh, I'm Yeah, sorry. The, the, the XS starts at 1000 The SX Max starts at, like, I think, eleven or $1,200. I'm, I'm good with my phone. I, I need to <laughs> and check Twitter. And it does both of those things. So I'm good. Yeah, I was like, I, like I don't need seventy-five mega squatzels or whatever they are to take pictures, and I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't like the front-facing camera, so I could. How quickly did that die out with those animated emojis? Like those were fun for like three weeks, and then everybody stopped doing them. Yeah, but you also knew when it got started that it wasn't going to last. That's one of those like it's cool because it's new, but you you can tell it's a fad. Like if you, I want somebody to tweet me if you still use that to this day. I want to know if there's anybody out there that still uses that stupid thing to send people texts. And you spend a thousand dollars to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, now you have to spend like 1200. So good luck with that. But Elliot, I, I told everybody, I'll tell them again, follow you at Elliot Christ, E L I O T C R I S T. I even spelled it out for you guys, made it super easy, but tell everybody where they can find you, what you're working on, because you are a busy ass man right now. Yeah, so you can find all my work on thequantedge.com. It's a DFS and sports betting site. We definitely have some season-long uh, stuff on the site as well. Over 20 articles and podcasts a week. We have um, 
uh, an optimizer. We have an injury tool where you can take any player, offense or defense, off the field and see how it impacts his team and his teammates. We have a wide receiver cornerback matchup tool broken down by alignment, broken down by route type, broken down by coverage, and a head-to-head tool where you can compare any two players by any metric, as well as players against their matchups, heat maps, all that good stuff. You know, a lot of stuff you can't find anywhere else at thequanedge.com. It's a great site. I'm telling you, I, the two guests today are two of the brightest minds of the business. Thanks again to Derek Hardy and Elliot Christ. I'll be back Tuesday. We'll be recapping week three, having a lot, or week three, week two, getting ready for week three. I'm trying to put myself ahead already. So I'll be back on Tuesday. And as always, a reminder, Victoria, tweet me. Let me know when we can sing DuckTales together. I'll talk to you next week.